What are you drinking? Uh, this is what? Like an energy drink. No, uh, no booze. A little drinky drink. Uh, I've had a, I've had a pretty bad headache all day, so no. <laughs> Best cure for headache. Yeah. Uh, the Mako Mori like the, test. The third time we've done that. Uh, not been recording when we thought we were. Yeah. We've never like really fucked up. I don't think. Uh, we did a time travel murder mystery. Was where there I think one? We talked for twenty five minutes. Okay. And it was surprisingly good. And I think I, I think we found out because I said something like the hubris. I said something like, "I'm really proud of our podcast right now." That was that was good content or something. And you're like, "Oh shit, I'm not recording." <laughs> this podcast is re- retiring in two days. Sail around the world on a boat named Blue Forever. Yeah. <laughs> So you went to go see Pacific Rim. I did. Uh, we don't really need to talk about that much. I would say Pacific Rim Uprising is just as stupid as the first one. Do with that information what you will. I'm not sure if it passes the Mako Mori test or not. But then again, I'm not sure if Mako Mori passes the Mako Mori test. So explain the rules of the Mako Mori test. So the Mako Mori test is something that was invented by Tumblr because Tumblr really liked Pacific Rim even though it didn't even pass a Bechdel test. And that was that was a problem. And so something had to be done because people wanted to like this movie, but it wasn't particularly feminist. So they created a new test called the Mako Mori test after a character played by Rinko Kikuchi in the movie named Mako Mori. And the test says you need at least one female character who gets her own narrative arc that is not about supporting a man's story. I don't believe Mako Mori passes that test. I guess you could debate that or not. Um, but that is a low bar. Uh, okay. I did see that movie, the first one in the theater. Isn't her storyline solely about propping up Idris Elba and Sons of Anarchy? Yes. I mean, arguments could be okay. made, I guess. You know. Okay. Um, if you are a fan of the original Pacific Rim out there, feel free to not check in with us on this. Um. No offense, I don't care about that movie. Uh, I thought it was terrible. It's not even that like, like oh, whatever, it's a dumb big robot movie. I'm on board for that. It was a bad, dumb, stupid movie. It was like, poorly made. I just want to piss everyone off. So I just, I, I fail to see the difference between Transformers and Pacific Rim. I really do. I would argue the, with the exception of the last 45 minutes, the first Transformers movies is at least more entertaining. Um, it is equally soullessly bad, but I think you have better performers doing more f- more exciting work there. Um, you don't have Sons of Anarchy. It just doesn't, you know, it's it's weighted against like Idris Elba, the power of Idris Elba. What's his line? Like the apocalypse is canceled. Yeah, they even do like this really dumb like meta reference to that in the sequel. God, it's awful. Wait, Anyways, Stacker Stacker Pentecost Jr. Yeah, Jake Pentecost, played by John Boyega. Oh, poor John. And he's making some money at least. I hope. Do you think they were they were sitting on the set of Last Jedi and he's like, Daisy, Daisy, I hear you're going to be Tomb Raider, and she's like, I don't know, maybe, and he's like, I'm going to be Jake Pentecost Jr. She claims she's like, never been involved. I'm not going to be. Yeah. I'm not going to be Tomb Raider. Then that sounds like a terrible idea. 
Anyway. Maybe the real tombs were the friends we made on the way or raided on the way. Um, so like I just came across this like letterbox article. I just want to read like maybe 10 of the movies that are supposedly passing the Mako Mori test, including Wizard of Oz, Shadow of a Doubt, Carrie, Psycho, Persona, uh, Lady Snowblood, Suspiria. It's this ridiculous list. 16 Candles, which is where we realized that we weren't recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Batman Returns. <laughs> I would... Uh, whatever. I don't know. I, really I, just, make- I just think it's real dumb. Like, Be like Pacific Rim. Good on you. It might not be a Bechdel, pet, Bechdel test passing movie. And, uh, you know, you can acknowledge that and be okay with it if you like the movie. Well, and, you know, I think that's an important distinction and it, it should be included in a lot of conversations. As we go back and watch older movies that we love like you know when we did back to the future on this podcast and <laughs> returning to that movie oh, oh shit that's that's not great but it's it's interesting to talk about these things that you loved and then the lens of today and you know thank god you know some of the things you know now i mean somebody was telling me the other day how much they love the original overboard and i was like well do yourself a favor and never rewatch it or the remake Ooh. oh yeah we should talk about that first we should introduce ourselves Please. Uh, before we do that, though, ponder this. Uh, does Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon pass a Bechdel test while we listen to music? I am Benjamin Light. And I'm Marco Sparks. Welcome to Headcanon. This week we're talking about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. But uh, first, you wanted to discuss the Overboard trailer. I think I've said everything I need to say. It looks bad. It looks real bad. I just don't think you you're either you're either going with like, hey, this movie's fucked up as a concept and we're just gonna like survive on the chemistry of the actors, or you don't make the movie. I don't like it seems like the movie's trying to sugarcoat it, and I just mm-hmm. don't think you can. You're you're either saying like, hey, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell are great. And they're fun to watch, and everyone just looked the other way because the spotlight's really messed up. Or you don't mm-hmm. make the movie. I don't think there's any between there. Yeah, I'm not crazy about the guy. Like, who I'm, is that I'm guy? Totally fine. Like, I have no idea. I'm totally fine with like the the gender swap nature of the remake. It's the dude just like in the trailer alone, he is so insufferable that I do not want to join Anna Ferris on this journey. I, to me, the that kind of movie. It, just lives and dies on like star wattage and chemistry. Mm. And I've never heard of that guy before. So that's already a minus. And I feel like there's already like, they're, they're not just like playing with the, the gender swap nature, but it's the, the politics of it now, or it's like, or the yeah. like, racial politics. Like, cause they sent him to like work as a construction guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's going to land very well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, you got to be very careful they, how you remake or revisit things in Trump's. America. What if they did a, a version of that movie with uh, uh, what's her face like Kate Hudson and Wyatt Russell? Like, would that just be super weird? Yeah, only because Kate Hudson would be carrying Wyatt Russell on her back. <laughs> um, is there is there like a, a female Russell like offspring? Kate Hudson. Could you? Well, I mean, could you wait? Kate Russell's not. Her dad. Um, like I was gonna say, could you oh, is, is pair like a female Russell offspring? No, hmm. her name's not Kate Russell. 
That's true. Anyway, do you want to talk about Crash and Tiger Hidden Dragon? What if I said no? Yes, I do. I, I no. can't wait to talk about this huh? movie. Mm. Okay. <laughs> well, then we'll just sit here in silence for two hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to check my email loudly. Do you have an opening statement? I do. I, I'm going to ramble for a minute here. Um, I think like I sometimes I'll like I'll when I want to pare down my thoughts, I'll like browse through other old reviews. And it's like the words that always pop up regarding this movie are gorgeous, hypnotic, emotionally shattering and relentlessly badass. So it's like I want to try to, you know, I take a shot if I say that too much in this mm. in this general podcast. Uh but yeah, I I really enjoyed revisiting this movie. I don't think I've seen it maybe more than once since you and I think I first watched it with you not long after it came out on like home video. Uh, it's it's the remains of the day or in the mood for love of like kung fu and sword fights. I really enjoy this movie. It's Jane Austen mixed with sweeping historical epics. That I was very much in a like a prequel mindset of Star Wars when this came out, and it felt so true to that plus of course it's closer to like star wars true original inspirations than than some other stuff but there's a fantastical like comic book nature to some of this and then there's also just more subtle stuff even as the movie brushes these incredible broad strokes and i I just in general i love this movie it's i think a lot of people talk about like fighting movies because it's a kung fu movie or a what's the term wushu wushu yeah talk about fighting is is dancing, but I feel like this movie is more of an opera. It's like a musical epic, and the fight scenes, they don't just fe- feature great choreography. They feature somebody who knows how to film or like let the camera stand back and enjoy. It's like watching hit songs from a musical, you know, like playing out the hits and hits and hits. Um, yeah, it's like the movie plays with gender roles in a way for part of it. I think you forget there are bullshit gender roles, and then there's parts of it where you're painfully reminded. So we'll get to your question about the uh, Bechdel test. But, um, also rewatching this, I kind of felt like it felt like a truncated version of a season of storytelling in like a binge watching world, like a season on Netflix, like like the the backs and forth, the characters introduces. And then in summary, because I know I'm rambling on some movies are thirsty, but on rewatch, I found this movie to be like hungry. There is there is more like desire floating throughout this movie than I seem to recall. And it was enjoyable to uh, dip my toe back in those waters. Over to you. All right. Uh, yeah, I really love this movie. I've only watched it a handful of times, but every time I do watch it, I think, God damn, this movie's brilliant. Why don't I watch this more often? Uh, <laughs> everything about it's impressive. The acting, the fight scenes, the story, the cinematography. It just it really feels like you're watching a master at work. Uh-huh. Uh, Jen is one of my all-time favorite movie characters. And for my money, this has the best fort- sword fight of all time in it. Um I would really love Ang Lee to do a Star Wars movie. Like this movie practically is a Star Wars movie. Um, yeah, I just, I think in the past, this movie's always been kind of floating just outside my own personal top 10, but I feel like I might need to move it in there. I feel like I could, I could probably demote Fight Club. I think that movie hasn't aged as well as it could have. And this movie Oof. probably deserves to be higher up. So I, I think I could move this into my top 10 all time. That sounds reasonable. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, should we, should we do our top moments? How many top moments do you have? Um, it's hard not to list the entire movie, but I have a couple <laughs> honorable mentions and then three top moments. I almost had a total of seven moments because of a greedy fuck, but I kept the six. All right, well, you so, go first. Do you have a, okay, so my number six moment is... Um, 
damn, I'm gonna start crying here. It's the goodbye between Shulian and, and Limu Bai. Mm. You know, just the just the kiss and everything before. Like I have one breath left. Don't waste it on me. <laughs> oh, gets you, man. All right. Well, my uh, honorable mention number two is the calligraphy scene where Jen <laughs> is drawing Shulian's name in calligraphy and. Uh, Michelle Yeoh is just watching, watching her do it, watching her wrist control, and like she knows, like immediately that like sh- that Jen's the one who stole the sword. Jade Fox Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Michelle Yeoh, like Jesus Christ, she's she's so much better in this movie than I realize. And being like the third of like the trio, you know, with, like the least amount to do in a way she's like a strong anchor for the other two. It gets much more flashier in the roles. Uh, my number five is when Julian gives us, gives Serte the, the sword and he's immediately like, Hey, maybe if Limu Bai is giving up his sword and his warrior ways, maybe he's trying to tell you something. And she like almost blushes. And then, uh, is that, is that Serte out, saying that? Yeah. Yeah. I like that guy. Yeah. He's great. Uh, and then, he basically flat out tells her because like you think he's just going to go there and then like let it let the rest be unspoken but then finally he's just like neither of you is brave enough to admit the truth to each other you're just wasting precious time (laughs) which boom it's like there's the whole movie right there and then you have like that could have been the whole movie and then you have the great gen u storyline yeah uh my number four you know honorable mention number one would be just the part where jade fox like shoots all those poison darts and Li Bai is like deflecting them all with the sword. Like it's just fucking cool. Like <laughs> it's such a cool shot. Well, and Shulian. And Shulian, yeah. It's like, how many darts does she have in that staff? Um my number my number four moment, and it feels very weird to this be number four, is uh Limu Bai and Jen Yu like on the bent branch of the bamboo tree. And mm-hmm. she's like like steadying on there trying to find balance and he's just as steady as can be this is a great scene it's where she keeps on like gorgeous. stomping on the the branch. yeah to try to like yeah. knock him off like the mess up his game uh the scene is just beautifully shot it's it's such so elegant and you have this great character in genu who's like your fulcrum character and she's finally meeting him with no mask on as they're like assessing each other and like i know i've, I've just made the whole thing about how it's not a dance like fighting his dance it's like fighting his music this is also basically a sex scene. There's no a. Way. I mean, we. we I would like to discuss later thing. what you think about what's going on between those two characters. But yeah. Oh, I. I would love to get that. Yeah. What's your speaking what's of your number three? Speaking of sex scenes, when Jen and Lo Bang, that scene's just fucking hot. I'm sorry. That's my number. Yeah. Yeah. Lo is a character that I should hate, but I don't. Lo's fucking awesome. Dark Cloud. Lo is like Chinese Western Han Solo, man. That dude's awesome. Maybe you should become Benjamin Dark Cloud. Mm. Yeah, think about that. Uh, so my number three is Madame Yu and Jen Yu come over for lunch with Julianne, and she's telling Madame Yu how she won't pursue justice if the thief of the green destiny returns it. And Madame Yu is just going off on this whole thing like she's in fucking Downton Abbey. Like she believes it's the help and you really can't trust them and blah, blah, blah. But Julianne is like just talking to Jen. And then to like, like top it off, she just like, Knocks over the teacup mm-hmm. to test Gen Yu's reflexes, and it's so fucking good. Yes, I love that. Uh, where are we? Number two. Yep. 
Shilin and Jen, at, Shilin versus Jen, I should say, at like her like security compound there towards the end. Oh, shit, yeah. That for my money is the best sword fight ever put to film. Um, that is an amazing scene. The, it's not mm-hmm. just the choreography, just but also the way it's shot, the kind of drama that's happening within it. Um, there's like real story being told in how they're fighting and, and what they're doing. Um, it's great. And the only thing to me that comes close would be the Princess Bride fight, but I think the choreography in this just outweighs it. Mm. Mm. That fight is great just because you've not seen Michelle Yeoh pick up a weapon, I don't think, prior in the movie. So when she finally starts like cycling through all those weapons, <laughs> she's she's so I mean, we heard that, you know, she's sort she's okay with swords, but she prefers the, machete, the uh, yeah. Yeah. Um my number two like is when she gets the fucking like weird club thing. Like, yeah, the sound in that scene's amazing. I love how like it don't it don't do it for like every impact, but occasionally they'll like somebody will really land a blow and they kind of like they push it on the on the uh, the foley there, and so mm-hmm. like you really feel like when one of those blows really lands. Well, this fucking we're gonna talk about it a lot, I'm sure, but this fucking movie, nobody had to take a year off to write these fight scenes. <laughs> They just fucking flow like a Although goddamn river. I, I do river think Michelle Yeoh took a year off to train for the fight scenes, which makes a little more sense. And, and she, but I think you know, it's it, there's a difference though in having somebody who's already adept in their career to being able to do these what, kind of scenes. What's insane to me is that uh, Zhang Zi is not a martial artist; she is a dancer, uh, and yeah. she just learned the moves basically, and she's incredible. Well, I think what especially they all took a year off to do was to learn the uh the language because only zongzi like speaks the the form of like cantonese or whatever that they're speaking mandarin yeah uh yeah you know what being an american not a problem for me i can't tell that their accents don't match sorry yeah and i know that was like a problem according to ang lee for like the beginning of the movie but like apparently michelle yo learned her lines phonetically Mm -hmm. um so my number two is Jen Yu is telling Shulian how she desires to have freedom, like the heroes she reads about in books, like Shulian and Limu Bai. Um, and Shulian tells her that she desires to have that freedom too, to finally essentially act on her love for Limu Bai. And it's like, you just know this movie is going to get tragic as fuck. They're just like not even hiding it. Um, but I also, it had resonance to me just because we did Logan and I wanted her, Shulian to be like, maybe half of it happened, but not, not like, like it that. did in the books. <laughs> My number one is uh, after, and I, I feel like you could almost include Jen's like uh, her like restaurant fight in this. But after the restaurant fight, when uh, Limu Bai and Shi uh, Lin have showed up to like kind of like get the uh, the statements of all the uh, the dudes who got their asses kicked, and those guys are just like, oh, she went fucking nuts, man. She, she thought I was this dude's brother or something, and she like went fucking ham. And he's like, who is this gal guy anyway? And uh, I think it's Shi Lin says her husband. And then all the dudes are like, oh, <laughs> like, that's like, just a fucking hilarious moment. They're like, uh, we just we just asked her, we requested her for a friendly, good natured spar. <laughs> I just love the way they're all like, oh, yeah. And they're like turning to each other, like explaining it down the line and out the door. Like, oh, it all makes sense now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mine is that. But it's also it's it's the restaurant. fight. I didn't really mm-hmm. want to put the the fighting scenes into my my top moments but you kind of have to with some of them like i mean i feel like this is the kind of movie where the fight scenes aren't just spectacle they're all telling a story and telling it really well it's not just like it's not 
boring. Like I've seen parts of the raid, you know, and it's like, yeah, those fight scenes are cool, but I don't feel like I'm being told a story in the same way I am here, you know. So yeah, so she's she's fucked up these dudes in a bar, and there's there's of course the moment I posted the picture where it's just like, you don't know who I am. I'm the invincible sword goddess. <laughs> uh, this was a musical. This would be her fucking solo number. This is where she breaks the shackles of repression, sings her goddamn heart it's, out, it's her, uh, and, let it go. Yeah, exactly. It is exactly. That's what I have my notes here. It's her let it go from Frozen, but with violence and like spirals upward into the air with swords like that Mm -hmm. fucking like two or three story like spiral upwards. Oh, where she goes like straight up spinning around. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, how did I not remember? How is this not burned into my soul or branded there? First time I watched this movie. Somehow I talked my parents, I think, into going to see this because like I was like in college, I think. And I was like back back home for Christmas break or something. And I talked them into going to see this. I don't know how, but uh, I don't know. Every time I watch this movie, I'm like, this movie's brilliant. Why don't I watch it more often? It's amazing. Yeah. Um, any complaints? I can't think of a fucking one. After I, I don't have a single one. It. Yeah. It's, I feel like this movie's pretty much perfect. Um, you know, there's I mean, some I'm movies. Sure, I'm sure that the, if you speak uh, Mandarin, well, you probably wish like the accents are better or whatnot. So that could be a complaint, but it's not an issue for me. So there's there's going to be some like uh, cultural lag on our part where we're just not as knowledgeable about some of the things that we should. So forgive us if we speak wrongly in some things. But there are some movies where there's choices that are made. And it's like, I don't know if I disagree with the choices, but I you're so overcome in the the auteurness of it all and, and the way the story goes that you feel like. You know, it's part of the vision. I just have to accept it. And I don't have like complaints or issues with this movie, but it just feels like a steady hand, you know, mm-hmm. a master stroke. Like the calligraphy, the, the wrist Extremely movement, confident the, filmmaking. Yeah. 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 Um, it makes me like upset that I haven't seen more of On League's movies too. Yeah. I kind of want to go watch Sense and Sensibility after this. Also, I'm pretty sure that is not an On League movie, but there remains the day. I can remember watching most of that in like a mexican hotel once because there's nothing else on and just thinking oh my god this sucks it's so boring like get to the next movie you know because that was before mm-hmm. like the internet and whatnot where you just like watch what was on and now mm-hmm. i wonder like was that movie actually really good but i was just too young to enjoy it you know yeah that's uh i believe that's a merchant ivory but yeah the there's it, it's something it's maybe it's a cultural thing um with with the english society and uh in the the, the east where repression and they're just so much better about getting to the nobility behind that the tragic suffering mm-hmm. granted reigns of the day is a uh, kazooie Ishiguro, so he's a he's a british novelist but mm-hmm. uh, you know I, I just thought of i thought of remains of the day i thought of in the mood for love where you're just it's you're aching for characters to get together and there's just this subtle touch in places of eroticism though in this movie i'd say it's a little more than subtle yeah. So um, uh, yeah, just general discussion. Limu Bai, I like he like he meditated for weeks on end, and he basically says, "I came to discover that this is all bullshit." Basically, <laughs> he's like, mm-hmm. I, "I came to a place with nothing." And she's like, "That's great." He's like, "No, no, it's a fucking waste of my time." Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is a movie that starts with a dude coming to visit his friend and basically confess that he still has that unrequited crush on her. And he's suffering from inescapable depression because of it. I, didn't, she's I don't like, know if I'd call it a crush. Cool. 
I feel like these these it's two a mutual both... crushing. Yes, it's yeah. mutual. It, but I, I feel like this is the first time they have laid it to words to each other. Mm-hmm. But it's been sitting I mean, there know. for seemingly like 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. I know that like supposedly the plan for a long time was they would like go and do the prequel with these two. Which would have been great, but I'm also kind of glad they didn't. I believe this is loosely based on like a book four of five series. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of which the, the Limu Bai and Chilin characters are like minor characters. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I know they. you said that you watch a little bit of the sequel to this. I've never seen any of it. I, I can't imagine what it would even be. I would not recommend it. Yeah. I mean, it's just a different, it's a much different movie. It does not have... Of all the things that I don't usually have in my lexicon, it does not have the grace mm-hmm. of this movie. Yeah. Uh, so okay, so Shulian is like a what do you call her? like a security contractor, like a like she's a secure like courier, private security, basically. Yeah. Yeah. She's a she's a little bit like Jodie Foster and in Inside Job or Inside Man, whatever that movie was called. Hmm. Is it Inside Man or Inside Job? Inside Man. Inside Man. I always confuse those. Because uh, the title is you know. Yeah. Right. Telling you everything. Yeah. But yeah, she's a little bit that. Like she's she can obviously kick ass, but that's not really her style. She's more like Lima Bai is always the one who like just wants to like like get down and, and rumble. And she's just like, No, no, let me handle this the quiet way, you know. I'll I'll go talk mm-hmm. to the, to Jen and I'll, you know, subtly convince her to put the sword back. Yeah, yeah she's like well, she's like private security, sun security. <laughs> There's like uh, the society of the time. There's enough of it that I think correlates to what we know that was understandable. I am. I've read a couple things on the internet about the Jianhu lifestyle. That I I don't know if I get it, but I'm I'm so fascinated. But yeah, they they are seemingly big players or were big players in previous adventures in the Jianhu lifestyle. So people know them. Um. Even though it's like seemingly she took over her dad's business as a like private security, like uh, pseudo medieval Blackwater. Um, anyway, so he's giving up his famed sword, the Green Destiny. The Green Destiny and just the design of that sword. It, it looks so cool. Oh, they redesigned it in the sequel, too. Like what they like. It's like the same look of the sword, but it's like very, very much more green. Mm. It's like in case in case you didn't get it. <laughs> I it does not need any updating. It looks fine how it is. It really, I feel like it's the perfect size sword because it's not too big. And like, you see the way it takes apart so many other weapons that are bigger than it, you know? Yeah. Um, it, like it doesn't look too big in Jen's hand. Although I kind of do wonder if they had more than one size blade for when Lee is using it and when she's using it. I uh I just love whenever like somebody else would like unsheath it and they like you know do their strokes in the air and then they just like tap the uh, end of it. Yeah, and, like, I love the way they. I love it when they tap. And you're just like, it, yeah. Oh my god, that thing is so deadly! I, I shit. And seemingly indestructible. I mean, this thing just like chops other swords in half. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, at one point I was expecting them to say that it was like made out of like meteorite metal or something like that. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's pure kryptonite. Yeah. Um, so also Lima Bai, he's giving up his uh, his quest for revenge. He's <laughs> like, revenge he's pretty broken at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. He's just yeah. like, I've wasted a lot of my life. I really just want to hang out and smash the Shilin, but like, 
have to do this the right way so it's like not disrespectful to like her you know dead husband or dead fiance or any of that you know yeah so that's the whole thing is that he was bros of her fiance uh, the fiance got killed and so the two of them thought it would like uh, denigrate the memory of i think meng is his name mm-hmm. if they ever got together and bumped uglies um, even though they are dying for each other mm-hmm. and seemingly have just lived lives of like quiet solitude for 20 years like it's mm-hmm. it's not like mm-hmm. they're uh, you don't get the impression they've just been like dating around dating other people or anything like that you know no 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 not keeping it cash with anyone else yeah um also seemingly later on then his master got killed and he's just like ah i'm by so jade frustrated fox. Yeah. yeah by jade fox and so um also the sexual politics of wudan like like what they're hinting at like the usage that they had for jade fox on wudan mountain i mean she basically says seems, i was good enough to be your horror but not to be trained yeah know? yeah like Wudan Mountain just seems like some kind of like messed up fucked mountain. Well, uh, the movie doesn't really push back on that accusation. You know, no. like, I think we're basically meant to to think like, yeah, that that's probably accurate. Yeah. Which is which is weird because you look at like Michelle Yeoh, who maybe it's just Julian's character, where she can just like walk between the raindrops of like sexism in the society. But at the same time, Limu Bai just seems like, uh, I don't know, like a broken patriarchal dinosaur, you know, like at the end of his, you know, comet's coming. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, so she's going to, Shulian's going to take on the sword to their buddy Serte, who's been like their protector in the, of the Jian Wu lifestyle. And uh, I it's love like that. like their, their patron, him. I guess, yeah. Yeah, I love when they get to him. He reveals that he is the world's biggest Green Destiny stan. <laughs> he has the deep knowledge. <laughs> Which, it's funny because it's like, I presume Michelle Yo knows all this already. Mm-hmm. So you're just talking to us, the audience. Well, there's this whole scene where I believe this is with Governor Wu, you here, where he's basically just expositioning for us, like what mm-hmm. the deal with the sword is to, to the governor. Um, mm-hmm. They're just like fanboying over this sword. I mean, it might be the yeah, most so, exposition he's seen in the movie. Yeah. Governor Yu, who, like, he's new to Peking, some kind of political appointee. He's previously, like, been stationed in the desert. And so now he's, like, on a real, like, law and order dun, dun, quest. Well, who do in you Peking. think? Who outranks who here, do you think? Uh, Governor Yu. Do you think so? I think so. It, it really seems like Certe. I mean, he definitely seems much more knowledgeable and like, I don't know. It almost seems like they exist in in like different social structures or something uh, Mm -hmm. where you'd think Governor Yu, well, he's the he'd be the new boss. But like Certe doesn't exactly seem deferential to him in any way. He's like telling this dude like how how it is and what to do. Well, yeah, he's well, he's he's advising him, but he tells him at one point. Like you, sh- I know you're on this whole law and order thing. Like you got a boner for that, but like you need to be strong but supple, which <laughs> is a great advice to give anybody. And essentially, make friends with the local crime syndicate if you want to get anything done. Um, so I know just enough to be confused. So in the first 15 minutes of the sequel, which they tell you is 18 years after Lee Mubai's death, mm. we meet what I thought was Bo, but he's identified as Sir Tay's son, and I thought Bo was just like the like the 
the security guard or whatever. She says but, he's Certe's man, but yeah, she doesn't say he's his. Son. Yeah, so I and I could be wrong. It might not have been Bo, but mm-hmm. he's this character is Certe's son, and we find out he's like brother to the emperor. So I, I don't know. What? I don't know if somebody fucking married into the Tay family or maybe Certe is just like the equivalent of like like a duke or something, you know, who's kind of like outside yeah. jurisdiction. Well, it's know. like. You you almost get a sense for a couple minutes that there's like a Santa Fe slash Juarez vibe to Peking here. Um but yeah, so for fifteen minutes, we're just chilling before the action starts. It's pretty interesting. What did you think when you first saw this movie and they, they first start doing the kind of wire work? Like what was your reaction to that? Okay, so here's what I remember about my, my first viewing. I believe that you and Steve had come to visit me. Hmm. And this is like, this was on those days where I'd like walk to the video store, rent a VHS tape, mm-hmm. and then watch it. And um, you were like, this movie's really, really good. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And you're like, I'm trying to remember how'd you word it. Maybe it was for me or my, my benefit, or maybe it was for Steve's too. But you were like, you just have to believe that these guys are so fucking good at their martial arts that they can essentially dance through the air. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, okay. I mean, this is the kind of movie if, if you're the kind of person who's like, I can obviously they're on their wires. They can't do that in real life. Like you're not watching the movie the right way. You know, you, you just have to go with the way that they move around and it's, it's a little fanciful and I feel like it works perfectly for the story. If you believe that characters can wave around like a laser sword or do jazz hands in the air and make things fly to them with their minds, you should be able to accept this. Um, yeah, so Governor Yu's new to town. We've gotten that. So his daughter, Jen, who's a little rebellious, she's basically Darth Jade Fox's apprentice, um, and she sneaks into Surtay's uh, compound to steal the Great Destiny. Um, and that's where Bo, the Surtay's man, shows up. And there's a great shot when she's on the roof, like throwing <laughs> tiles at the, him. Uh, the tiles at him, mm-hmm. which is basically the Catch a Thief like shot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just, for a while there, I was like loving Bo. It's like this just good-natured bumbling idiot who's like getting like hit in the face with like ceiling tiles i have some thoughts on bow later his weapon doesn't seem super effective it's like it looks a thing on the end it's like a super long nunchuck or something yeah Yeah, it's it's basically like a six foot like pike with a little nunchuck attachment at the end it doesn't seem like it'd be that useful i don't know i guess it's got a lot of range it's a lot of like you're you're sticking your stick out and like really waving that thing around in people's faces which Mm -hmm. is rude but yeah boza boza stand up bro though um i really so like when they're when they're searching the roost and they have these like lanterns on these tall poles that they're going around like searching the the roost with it's like a really cool use yeah. of technology there well also it seems like it's you know cause especially since we're up high with the camera mm-hmm. you're like you can barely see anything <laughs> from ground level yeah so julianne eventually pops up and to stop julie Gen Yu and their whole initial fight scene i love this because all of their movements together, all their stuff is about Shulian keeping Gen Yu on the ground. Mm-hmm. On the like, she's blocking her kicks, pushing her feet down. Whenever they do, like, start running up walls and stuff, Shulian is just basically pushing her back towards the ground. It's like so. I don't. I don't want to say passive, but it's not as aggressive as it could have been. Yeah, Jen does this move when Shulian punches her, where she kind of like rolls her hips around the punch and like redirects it back somehow, mm-hmm. and like that is how. Uh, Shilin knows she's like you've been trained at Wudong like it's like that's like a master move basically like Jen should not be able to do a move like that 
Like it kind of yeah. like blows uh, Shi Lin's mind because I I don't believe Shi Lin if I if I unless I'm mistaken I don't believe she has trained at Wudong. No, but I think she's been in the game long enough that she can recognize it. She's been in the game, but yeah, I think that kind of comes up later. I think there's a little bit of jealousy when uh, she finds out that Li Mu Bai would be willing to sh- to train Janet Wudong. Well, you know, it's not just about the training. Do you um, think so? Let's let's have that conversation. Do you think there is you cannot, a physical attraction there? Uh, you mean when Be- between Zhengzi Bai and Jin, like soaked to the bone, like when she steps out in her soaking wet nightgown, like nips showing, and well, she said, "Did you come for me or the sword?" Obviously, uh, when she says that, she is trying to tempt him. But what do you think? What do you think his mind is there? I guess I think the line is intentionally blurred. I'll put it that way. I, I would say that you could, if you're like straightforward, no, he's just interested in the good natured training of a martial arts apprentice. I would be like, it is not that easy. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would say it's in the gray area. I don't. I I think it's it's intentionally ambiguous, but not. I don't think it's being coy. I think you're supposed to realize that there's some, some mixed up feelings from all parties involved there. And it's no one. It's not like a misunderstanding necessarily. I think lots of people aren't totally sure how they feel. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also need a supercut of this movie set to squeezes tempted by the fruit of another. Mm. Um, what did you think of the percussion score throughout this? I liked it in this. I thought it fit it well. It's uh, also an Oscar winning score. Yeah. Okay. No, this is this is not back. somebody fucking noodling on their Donkey Kongas. This is a, a very precise <laughs> and directed type of uh, uh, percussion score. Because uh, like the the chase slash fight scene here between like Jen Yu and Shulian is like I love. It's just it's just percussion. It's just but it like unrelenting percussion it builds and flows. Yeah, it's it's not yeah. just like like a hippie like like jamming. You know. So. The movie is interesting because even even my man Bo, uh, he realizes, of course, that the thief, who's perhaps the Jade Fox, is hiding in the compound of Governor Yu. And then it becomes interesting just because, you know, they're not like a like a, a police force per se. They can't just like burst in to Governor Yu's thing. There's like political ramifications of that. So there's like this kind of mystery. But you get the feeling get that if into that, if this was like some peasant village. They could just bust in, but obviously, yeah, Governor, you, you there, like you can't, you gotta, like you gotta finesse this, you know. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you gotta, oh, you gotta send Chi Lin in to, like, you know, ease things over. Yeah, Bo would like crack a few beers and crack a few heads. Yeah, um, <laughs> can we talk about how yeah, Bo randomly? Had, like, uh, there's, there's this whole policeman and his daughter plotline where, like, this policeman from like another district has been like hunting jade fox for who knows months years or whatever because like mm. jade fox killed their mother um sooner or later the policeman dies he gets like his his like crazy like carved knife like right in the forehead and we'll then, talk about a weird weapon yeah those don't seem super useful um and then later bo's like keeping watch outside the daughter's like hut or whatever yeah and the daughter's like hey why don't you come inside and he's like no i shouldn't she's like it'll be fine and he's like all right well, she says like, he randomly just like seemingly goes and bangs the daughter, like just like a one oh, night Bo, stand. Bo is like it's 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 back there ways from the main plot, but Bo is aching for that girl prior. <laughs> like he's got like the eyes bulging out of a skull, like jaw dropping to the ground as soon as he sees her. 
Um, yeah, the dad, who's Inspector Sai, he's got like essentially like some fucking like Klingon weapons that he's like waving around there. Um, so after that first night, I felt like we needed that scene where everyone takes a long nap in the afternoon because they know they're going to be up late again, <laughs> like fighting on rooftops and shit. Drinking a lot of green tea. Yeah. Yeah. So can I just say, I, I love the, the, it's a repeated thing in this movie where like suddenly one of them will just sense something and like duck out of the way and like grab a dart out of the air. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Like it's, yeah. it's perfect for this movie. Like that, that's the kind of reality you live in where these guys are such masters. They can just like grab a dart with some chopsticks, you know? Yeah. Uh, put that on your movie bucket list. Um, yeah. So there is one scene like the following day where Bo is like trying to find, cause he thinks they're street performers, the father and daughter. Mm-hmm. And so he eventually like comes upon their shack where they're like staying and he spies them like cleaning their ridiculous weapons of revenge. <laughs> Well, they do a uh, thing later where they like tie him down so that when Jade Fox shows up and they go to attack her, Bo's like tied down. He like runs and like gets yeah. pulled back by a rope. I had forgotten if they were the ones who actually tied him down. I'm this pretty, is sure, like, pretty sure the you, daughter does it. Okay. To like save his life or to like not I, have him I think just to, their revenge? To keep him out of the way so they can get revenge is what I assumed. Yeah. Okay. Because um, this is like the equivalent of like Bo like having his like shoelaces tied together, because <laughs> he like runs full speed and is like zoink. Yeah, yeah um, much. there's a uh, there's so then you got the great scene you're talking about with the Genu's like doing calligraphy when Julian like like comes to see her and mm-hmm. she realizes this is probably the thief. And then there's a great line about like I never realized how much my name looks like sword mm-hmm. or how similar calligraphy is to fencing. And like Genu's just like he. I wouldn't know. It's like, mm. yeah. What, what did you think of the bit where it's Jen's? I think this is her mom. It might be her aunt. I'm not sure. Um, the the Wu matriarch shows up with Jade Fox, who's posing as like a governess, a, a governess or something, you know. Um, and they find this like wanted poster for Jade Fox. Do you think she knows that that's Jade Fox? I was really. I, I yeah I don't know this scene made me really kind of curious on this Is rewatch. That, you look because, at the poster and you look at her and you're like, hey, that's her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I guess perhaps the scene later on where she's talking about how you can't trust the help because she seems so clueless in that scene. Yeah, and I kind of wonder if it's like has she never actually looked at her governess in the face? Yeah, or like never even considered the possibility that she could be fooled or something. Yeah. Um, cause the Jade Fox, you know, not that I like, I'm like pro Jade Fox here, but like her storyline just gets sadder and sadder. The more you, you, it seems like seemingly she's like driven to evil because she's betrayed by everyone. Um, when, when she realizes when they like basically set up another sting, uh, that that's where, uh, they tie up bow and then the police detective guy like gets the blade in the forehead. Lee Mubai shows up and fucking wails. He's like an mm-hmm. amazing martial artist. Like Chalion fatness is super underrated um and he just like kicks jade fox's ass and then i believe if i'm recalling the chain events correctly this is where jen shows up to rescue her mm-hmm. am i correct in that yep and and jen does some moves and jade fox is like basically like oh shit like i thought i was teaching you but you were clearly the master here you know and it's yeah. really it wounds her because and she's, you know, realizes later when she's talking to her, like you, I can't read, but you can, like you read the, the, you know, training manuals that I can only, you know, interpret the pictures of. And you've been holding this back from me this whole time. 
there's some confusion about the ages there. So uh, Gen Yu is either 18 or 20 based on Jade Fox's story. Because at one point she talks about how she was 10 when they started. Mm-hmm. And then she talks about how they were she was 8. But yeah, so prior to that thing... Uh, there is the bit where where the inspector and his daughter are like telling Bo all about their story, and then the dart comes through the window with a note wrapped around it that just says, "We'll settle this at midnight." Yes, <laughs> they catches the chopsticks. Yeah, um, yeah. So we we like like we kind of get brushed up in the situation um, where Limo Bai shows up and like Shulian's just like, "Okay, okay, calm down. It's gonna be fine. I'm handling it." I know you're upset about the sword, and he's like, I didn't even know about it until I got here. I was yeah. here to see you. Lee Bai is a thirsty wreck through most of this movie. Yeah, yeah. And he is just, oh my god, the fucking uh, sultry bedroom eyes that he is flashing at her there. It's like hitting her like like Jade Fox's poison dart. Well, and the, the, yeah. He can pull that off, trying and fat, but still just be like an absolute master when he when he's like fighting Jen. You know, like he really just perfectly captures this like martial prowess like he looks so effortless in what he's doing you know like it at just, one point he, he uses the green destiny to like spin up a stick to fight jen with instead of yeah. the sword he's like holding the sword behind his back and he's like beating her with a stick like he just looks so so such a master at what he does like my personal experience of chiang fat prior to this was He's the fucking guy who like made a career out of like jumping sideways while firing two firing guns two in the guns, air, yeah. which is stupid. Um, but I'm I was rewatching this and I'm like I hate to say it, but like how much better, how much more interesting could have like a Qui Gon Jinn storyline been? You know, like this, just in general, but especially with like Chow Young Fat in that role. This movie is a Star Wars movie. I feel like it. it could oh, it be. absolutely yeah. is. Yeah, this is like the sexy adult prequel this is a sexy adult star wars movie you got before last jedi this is i'm like hey ryan johnson watch this before you you make your next trilogy honestly if you just told me that he was he was making remaking like a, a crane iron pentology as <laughs> they, a star wars movie they just starting bought the rights this. to crouching tiger yeah yeah <laughs> uh, i mean he's like hey yojimbo hidden fortress there's precedent i don't know i, I just the fanciful nature of this to me is so much more compelling than like the kind of like gritty realism that you see in a lot of movies these days. Yeah. But I think the thing is whether you have gritty realism or you have, like I said, almost a kind of comic book wowness of some Mm -hmm. of these characters, what brings an audience to the story is the emotions of the characters and how Mm -hmm. you can relate into it. So the fucking like tragic, let's just say love triangle at the heart of this movie is the movie and then everything else is just beautiful sexy window dressing that mm-hmm. works um yeah so by all means make this a star wars movie for reals uh so oh, yeah, i i don't want to take yeah, anything just, away well, from this movie as its own movie it's brilliant as it is it just makes me think yeah. that like this is this is the vibe that uh i would love to see star wars like lean into because obviously star wars already has a lot of kind of like eastern asian influences in general and it's mm. like it's this is you know picking up the phone you know uh back to the future hey you know that new sound you're looking for like that's that's the vibe i get when i watch this movie it's me your cousin bobby lee <laughs> it's yeah, on um, lee yeah. uh but so yeah like my point is in 2000 when i was a stupid little idiot like i saw this movie and i loved it but i was thinking star wars now you know 30 years later you know my body feels 30 years later uh 
like I'm a stupid little idiot and I still am seeing <laughs> Star Wars in a very different way. Um, yeah, so I think it, it just has night. like a, a mythic element to it. It feels bigger and larger and grander than real life, you know. So the before even uh, uh, Limu Bai and Jenny show up in the fight, when it's just like the cop and his daughter and Jade Fox, this was like my, this was going to be my number seven moment. Um, <laughs> there's a point where she gets behind, I can't remember which one, and she's using the one of their weapons against the other. Oh yeah, and yeah. It's it's so good. Where they have the so uh, and who do they have between them? Is it Bo? Like I think there's it's Bo. I think when Bo finally gets in there. Yeah, he's like stuck between. Jade Fox and the the uh, policeman there is like everyone's fighting together. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, um, Bo gets like he gets like paralyzed by a dart or something. Yeah, no, she uh, she does the movement on him. Oh, she the movement. The that's movement. right. Yeah, she does like this crazy pressure point thing. And then that's when Limu Bai shows up to do the counter movement on him, mm-hmm. um, which reminded me. And it, you know what? I fucking loved it in this movie, and I fucking hated it in Kill Bill. The whole like I can do some kind of five finger. I think it's because they touched you. They made such a weird, big, like fetishized point out of it in Kill Bill, where it was just it just felt like Tarantino likes kung fu movies rather than like just seeping into the the vibe, you know? Yeah. Like um, it was like it wasn't like anyone else ever did any sort of move like that in Kill Bill. It was just like mm-hmm. this separate thing. So. We get Jade Fox's backstory where while Lee Mubai was away from Wudan Mountain at some point, which again just seems like a place where a bunch of guys get together in robes and like paddle each other. Mm-hmm. Um, she was like sleeping with Lee Mubai's master. Uh, she he refused to like teach her the ways of Wudan because she was a woman. Well, so she, she killed him. Seems to be of of lower class. I think we get from from elsewhere too when she's like talking to Jen. Well, is she lower class? Well, like, she can't read, by her bootstrap, or is she high? Yeah, it's true. Or is she just hiding like as a governess? I don't know. But I, I assume because is, she can't read, she's lower class. I mean, I'm not trying to diss, you know, any modern people or anything, but like in in this time period, that's that would be how it works. Um, but like I feel like you only get hints of her story throughout, but in twenty eighteen, the Jade Fox prequel, like she's the fucking hero. Where she finally gets tired of him like holding her back and like sleeping with her. And um, so she kills them and steals their top secret training manual. Yeah, but in a way, I, what I like about this movie is that it's willing to let people be complex, and it's not just like so. Like it's not like Jen's the hero, but Jen's also not oh. the villain. You know, like right. everyone is kind of flawed in their own way. Yeah, and it's like how they how they angle off of each other. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, the argument it can be made that Julianne and Lee Mubai are hiding behind the memory of their you know dead common friend. Mm-hmm. Because they're too afraid to like the, the real crouching tigers in hidden dragons or human emotions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so this was ten years ago. Uh, so even with the manual, he he points out that her moves and technique are undisciplined. Uh, which I guess also Wudan, they've got no copy of their secret fucking book. I mean, I suppose if this was like, I they would have had the printing press. I guess you know this is like. 18th century but it, it seemingly this is not like a book that's like mass produced you know probably like copied by hand well I mean, this is their secret manual yeah mm-hmm. yeah 1778 i yeah i would think they would have to press by now mm-hmm. um there's not a lot of technology throughout this movie so that's when jen shows up um you know 
impresses the fuck out of uh, uh, out of Limu Bai. So Jade Fox goes back to they fight the other three. She has to make sure she kills the cop, which I thought was funny. I love the uh, she like shoots this crazy like dart thing with like a streamer like flowing uh, from it at at uh, Limu Bai, and he does this like he just like kind of like leaps and floats and like blocks it with his uh, his sword as you yeah. would with a lightsaber perhaps yeah and it like flies away it's so cool yeah so they all get away um it's delicate matter they know they they know that jade fox is hiding in the in the woo compound so like they all have these crazy ideas to get in there but julianne is like let's just invite madam like you and her she's daughter like, over. i will and handle like, this yeah they're like why and she's like because the best way to catch a fox is through her cubs um, and that has a whole bit where uh, she's talking very obviously to Jen about how like, oh, I'm sure the person who stole this wouldn't want to ruin their family's reputation and like knocks over the cup to test her reflexes. Well, this is where Madame, Madame uh, Yu is hilarious because like the the story is that Julianne on behalf of Madame Tay is going to give them a bunch of like fabric as a wedding gift for Jen Yu's upcoming uh, wedding. And uh, Madame you keeps going to this thing about like, uh, oh, so I, I understand that they suffered a shameful loss and something was stolen. And now Madame Tay is sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. She's a real catty bitch. <laughs> and then meanwhile, Bo is uh, he's keeping watch outside the daughter's hut there. And yeah, he's willing. He's ready to smash. Well, cause she's, she's finding the one who like seals the deal. She's just like, well, we don't have to fear the Jade Fox if we're together banging and he's just like okay i mean it is definitely that kind of repressive culture where it's like she couldn't just say come on in she has to kind of couch it in terms where like you're actually this this would be the best way for you to do your job is to come on in you know yeah well i mean hey how else are you gonna guard my body if you're not underneath my body um yeah, like, but I think the 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 camera has let us know that Bo is interested in her before. But yeah, she has to bring the two of them together. So uh, later that night, Lee Mu Bai surprises Jen Jen Yu as she's returning the sword, chases her across the rooftops. Uh, there's a great moment where she like goes into the window of one room and then goes like shut the shutters behind her so he can't follow her, and he surprises her because he's already in the room. Yeah, he's a master. He's like, haha, it's my twin brother. Yeah, this is where he fights her with a, a just a stick. I love the way he spins a stick around on the ground to pick it up. It's such a cool shot. Uh, the way he does it with the sword there, and he's basically like he's he's so smitten with her technique and possibly her as well that he's just like, I want to train you, you know. Mm-hmm. Which is that is that the only way he knows how to express an affection for her, at least? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Well. I- and she says Wu Tang is a whorehouse. Keep your lessons. <laughs> the guy who, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's so fantastic. Well, as he's like blasting her with these Wu Dan witticisms, but it's like, like you said, he's just spent months like meditating over the nature of fucking zilch. Like, how else is he <laughs> going to like uh, admire the opposite sex? He has technique. He has such a a condescension. He's like, deep down, you're good. Even Jaden Fox hasn't been able to corrupt you. Which like may be true in a sense, but like she's she has such a rebellious spirit that she's just like fuck that, you know. Like I'm not even about to let you define me like that. 
Well, there's even Wikipedia will tell you there is a strong like metaphor of poison throughout the movie. And like, mm-hmm. does the poison fully reach your core? Does it do its job? Are you corrupted by outside influences? Um, so she goes back to her place, you know, tells Jade Fox, her governess, to like leave before she brings ruin to her family because she does care about how her family's viewed. So Jade Fox is just like, come with me, like, let's go live on the run, this like kill or be killed lifestyle. And that's when she discovers that that she was misled by Jen, who she thought she was helping her with the the manual, but really Jen was like spiriting away all the the info for herself. Yeah, Jen has surpassed um, her years ago, and Jen is basically like you're you would never be good enough, even if you could read the material. You know? Yeah. Well, then, but then Jen, you there's like she she kind of steals the tragic nature of it from her, where she's just like. You thought it was bad for you. It was bad for me because here I am. I'm a young, like, talented student. And I realized as I'm fooling you and I've surpassed you, there's no one else who can guide me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know I still need to learn things, but who the fuck is going to – who's better than me to teach me? Um, and so this is where I would say the funny part is it's almost only in the Gen U and Jade Fox scenes that pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose you could say that because they're not really talking about men there. Um, I mean – they're talking both, about exclusively themselves, their relationship, and their power. Mm-hmm. Both great characters as well. And I, I'm not sure if I've said it enough in this. Like, Song Ziyi is fucking amazing in this movie. I can't believe she was not nominated for at least supporting actress. Um, I mean, like, the Academy Awards that year, fucking Gladiator won Best Picture. Um, by the way, I, I believe this is the first movie we've done for Headcanon that has won a major Academy Award. This is a best foreign film. Should have won best picture in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Was uh, nominated for both, which I thought previously was like a no, no. I don't think it's a no, no so much. as like, it rarely happens, but this movie was so good that it did. Um, I think it should have won best picture too. Uh, this is far and away a better movie than gladiator. Um, also, is- I think this should have won best director too. Sorry, Soderbergh, but like this movie is just fucking better than traffic. Well, I just want to, point out the interesting nature of the 73rd academy awards that i'm i mean i I like soderbergh i would agree with you i think only in this movie should have won this is like soderbergh is nominated for best picture best director for both traffic and aaron brockovich aaron brockovich yeah yeah so fucking Soderbergh a lot like what the hell yeah so when soderbergh won best director for traffic that means that he beat himself out for aaron brockovich Mm -hmm insane but this is the fucking awards where like russell crowe got an oscar yeah i know none of the actors in this movie uh crouching tiger got best uh or acting nominees of any kind which at the very least i feel like zong ziyi should have gotten supporting or even lead i mean i don't know how you'd classify her in this i feel like she's a lead but maybe they'd like put her up for supporting but like julia roberts and marcia k harden whatever this is such a weird I'm looking at all the various movies that were nominated. And this again, this is such a weird sea change for me because I saw all these movies. The few of them I saw in the theater, the rest I saw on VHS, mm-hmm. which just feels different now. Like and some of these movies I haven't thought about in 18 years, like The Contender yeah. with Joan Allen. Or uh, You Can Count on Me, which God, remember that Mark Ruffalo? Anything ever happened to Mark Ruffalo? you ever find himself in a franchise (laughs) yeah i like Um, the bit where it's like i guess this is early morning and leave me by he's got the green destiny back and he's just like doing some like solo like sword calisthenics 
and Li Shen's watching him and and she's just like she's like yeah so where are we at here eventually Jen is about to get married and then the or I guess before that is when Lo shows up right yeah we get the whole flashback first yeah there's there's uh I feel like there's a little bit of hurt and betrayal as Lee Mubai tells Shulian that he's seen the girl fight he's gonna bring her to Wudan well, she's like, they don't accept women. He's like, I think they'll make an exception for her. Yeah, and, and you can infer there that uh, they had not made an exception for Shilin, basically. You know, like, she doesn't say it, yeah. but I, what I, I think Ang Lee is so good about getting you through the, through the acting and the direction to think about the unsaid uh, moments there, where it's like, obviously, she's thinking that was never extended to me. Like, where do we stand now? You seem... You know, you you came on strong earlier. You know, talking about how you like you regretted all your training and everything, but now you seem more interested in this girl than anything else. Well, and not just not just the regret of the past, but also perhaps she's thinking. You know, I would like to revisit this conversation about our future. Mm-hmm. I just figured this whole green destiny thing, like your little penis metaphor. Once we settled that, maybe we would talk. And now you're you're gonna run off to your fuck mountain with this girl. Um, so. Julianne is just like, well, you know, it doesn't matter. Once we kill Jade Fox, the girl's going to marry anyway. And he's just like, that's not for her. <laughs> and then Lo but shows he tells up. Her, well, he, first he tells her, just be patient with me, Julianne, which is like, it's smoldering. <laughs> Sorry. And then Lo shows up and you're like, who the fuck is this Lo guy? He just like skulks around, like sneaks into Jen's place. And he's like, come back to, with me to the desert. And then the movie's just like, hey, how about like a crazy flashback to the desert? And I feel like this is absolutely the move of like a very confident filmmaker because you don't see this a whole lot in movies where they're like hey we're gonna have like a big long flashback right in the middle of a movie and it it totally works i mean in a lesser director's hands i don't think it would but it totally works in this where it's like hey here's well here's the backstory of jen let's also say too it's not like it just suddenly cuts to you know this flashback and hashtag desert desert banded boyfriend but like you do get a quick moment earlier where she's brushing her hair of all things. And mm-hmm. she kind of has like a little placeholder, like flashback yeah. to come mm-hmm. moment. And it's, but it's a perfect moment because the hairbrush is like the inciting incident between these two. But so essentially I think we're kind of rehashing parts of this just on the, on the assumption that maybe people haven't seen this movie. or are not going to rush out and rewatch it. But yeah, so the caravan with the governor, you caravan is guarding through the desert when Lowe's bandits attack and raid it. Oh, and this so is low, where the this is where the cinematographer gets a show off here because these these shots in the desert. I think this is the Gobi Desert or the Gobi Desert. Um, mm-hmm. It looks incredible. I mean, these are just like some amazing vistas here. When she does, it's not it's it's her. It's the choreography. It's the filming. When she does the double kick in the air, like the splits yes. in the air, to kick mm-hmm. the two guys in the fucking face. Um, yeah, so he like breaks into her like her wagon there and like steals her jade comb, and so she just like fuck that chases after him to which, get it back. Which she wasn't my favorite character already. <laughs> it's such a simple but kind of like iconic thing where it's like he's stolen her comb. She's the noble woman, and she's going to chase him down and like fire arrows at him and like ride, you know, on a like horse and like do horseback archery. Like it's so extreme and extra, but I feel like it's it's mythic. You know, it's like it's operating at like uh as you said earlier like an operatic level you know yeah. where like this sort of drama fits i think well th- the struggle for so many movies is 
how do we introduce two characters and make you believe in some kind of epic love story between them quickly? Mm-hmm. And this movie does it by going to the extremes. Like, did you walk out of Spectre like really buying the no. love between James Bond and the girl who's like 45 years younger than him? No, but no. I feel like part of that is because a movie like that is so grounded in attempting to be real and and gritty and kind of like mm-hmm. believable and, you know, have possessing the verisimilitude that it can't kind of hand wave away like other movies can, you know, a romance like that. I mean, this is a movie where she just like jumps on a horse and starts firing arrows at this guy, and he's like laughing the whole time as he as she chases him. And like, yeah, their romance happens very quickly, but you never like that wouldn't happen because that's just not the kind of movie it is, you know? Yeah, I mean, Lo is half dressed like like desert Jack Sparrow. Um, he is he should be the character who annoys the shit out of me. I kind of love him at the point where I realize he's a fucking dork. At one point, he's just like. I'm not that big or tall, but I'm as quick as lightning. I love the bit where he... That needs to become your Twitter bio, like, oh, right now. Okay. I'll work on that. I'm not that <laughs> quick or tall, but I'm big as lightning. Is that it? Quick as lightning. Quick as lightning. Okay. Big as lightning. I don't know. Oh, I was like, that doesn't make sense. Okay. Anyway, I love the bit where he tosses her, like, at the big canteen, and she takes a drink from it, and then she, like, kind of tosses it back at him and immediately kicks him in the face. Yeah, she, she is such a fucking spark plug. I love it. Well, wrestling in the sand over a comb. That is just incredible foreplay. Mm-hmm. So he she eventually gets like knocked down. He takes her back to his like incredible fuck pad of a cave, which looks like the inside this of a dude has a spa. Lamp. Yeah, it looks like the inside of a genie's lamp. There's also like a weird almost alien skull hanging over his bed. It's like a dragon <laughs> skull or something. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, it's an aphrodisiac. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't think you know what that word means. <laughs> um, but yeah, just some of these sequences. There's at times there's like subtle or awesome as palpable. If I could like have like a number eight top moment, it's merely the shot where she rolls over where she's laying at one point and just watches him as he goes outside to sing. Or how about uh, he's got like there a fucking such... he's got a hawk at one point. <laughs> But like she is like honed her daggers into just this like sex vibe. Um, she yeah, I mean, like, knocks him over the head while he's cooking a pheasant. For, yeah. Well, for for even though she's like this lethal assassin, you so buy into her like cover as like the the young woman who's part of this big politically connected family who's about to get married off, and yeah, she is like a sword-laden sex goddess at times, too. I mean, Um, it's such a trope of like, oh, you're attracted to your captor. Uh, But like, it just works, you know? (laughs) It's tropey, but it totally works. Um, She she smashes him over the head and runs away. And then she passes out and he like brings her back and nurses her back to health. A little bit. I don't think it's a sense where he has like incredible power over her, though. You know, no, like no, he, I don't think it's like that. It's just it's the they hate each other till they love each other, you know, type of thing. She's like spitting yeah. in his face, and yeah. Anyways, so he admits that the whole dark cloud thing is just like to scare people and make his life easier, which like cracked me up. Um, so in the desert, you're always fighting for survival, so you need a gang, and then eventually that gang becomes your family, and it's like, oh, you're all right. 
Well, how does you're an all right bro? How does she convince this guy into like essentially like giving her a foot massage and like picking the splinters out of her feet? Uh, question: Does she convince him, or does he just voluntarily offer? Yeah, I don't know. It's a very like you, you see that she's the noble woman there, and the way she just like sticks her foot out and is like, "Do your job," you know. I think this this says a lot about like Lowe and his style, mm-hmm. especially his like bedroom style. You know, Lowe is like uh, he's like a passionate cunnilingus man. He he takes a dagger to the chest. She's like, "I'll yeah. stab you," and he's just like, "Do it," and so she does it. Yeah, and he's just like, "Yeah, I took it, and let's fucking bang." Yeah, into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we find out, of course, that her family is looking for. They're like combing the countryside. So he tells her she has to decide. This is what I love about Lo, is he wants her to be with him, but he knows that she might get tired of the bandit life. She might miss her family, so he really needs her to decide. So then he starts telling her about there's a mountain nearby. There's a local legend that says that anyone who jumps from it will have their wish granted. Oh, also that they probably will not die. But it's, so, I mean, the, in the story he tells, the person who does it is never seen again, but the wish came true. So it's like, hmm, that's a little ambiguous there, you know? Yeah. So she gives him the comb and tells him to hold on to it until they're together again, that she's basically going to go back. And so that's when we... We find out, you know, how she came back to her family. Um, she's basically martial arts Patty Hearst a little bit. Yeah, but I, I feel no, like it's a little more control. a little more consensual, I guess. I mean, you know, yeah, arguments yeah. could be made and whatnot. But I mean, for a while, you just see these two. They're like chilling in his like spa, like naked together, like watching the stars. Like this is obviously like the best time in their lives is yeah. I feel like what's being communicated here. Oh, uh, he will. But it's like. Obviously, you know, for this to last, they need to work some stuff out. Like, I think he explains later that, like, he was going to, like, go try to, like, basically, like, his Gatsby story, you know, like, he's going to, like, go, like, be legit to, like, earn, like, her family's approval or whatever. But, like, he couldn't do it, like, because his name followed him everywhere he went. A name like Dark Cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he kind of stopped putting Dark Cloud on my resume. I know, I know. I'm inviting this stuff because people's like, "Why so sad, Lo? It looks like you got a dark cloud hanging over you." God damn it! Yeah. Uh, so he tells her, you know, in the present day, as he's come through her window, that he had to come for her. That he can't let her marry. She tells him basically, like, "Cool story. Uh, you need to go." And he gives her the comb and departs. And it's like, "Wah wah wah, poor Lo." Um. So then he, she's he just, shows she's up to so disrupt Im- the wedding. Impetuous. Yeah. But he. He disrupts the wedding and like runs away, and that's when Lee Mubai and Chilin like kind of corner him. And they're just like, "Hey, we're like, uh, we're just like relationship counselors now, man. We're gonna help you out. Go to Wudang Mountain, chill out there. We're gonna get your girl. Don't worry about it." Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> there's like part of me like culturally wishes that this was much more of a an accepted like Western visual idea of a wedding, just so you could see that. Because it's like like, like, a, like a perception or what's the word I'm looking for? Um, procession, procession yeah. like kind of kind of wedding. Um, and I wanted more from Lowe or he's just like, you're going to help me get my girl back. I want to help out, too. And they're like, no, no, no. You go to Wudan Mountain. You staying around is only going to hamper this plan. Oh, and then and then Jen runs so, away again. She steals the green destiny again and runs away. And then we get yeah. this great bit where she's she's pretending to be a boy, I believe. She's kind of got her hair up under well, a uh, cap. Before that, you get like the Certe, like, here we go again moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry. Is she pretending to be a boy? I think so, yeah, because she's got her hair up under a cap. And uh, they're, 
they they call her young master long so i i think they're at least i don't i'm not sure if they think she's a boy or they're just like kind of like okay you're pretending to be a boy so i'll go along with it type of thing but like she like runs into these two dudes who are like quasi like they're like half hitting on her but half kind of like i don't know just like shaking her down kind of yeah you know they're yeah. like we have ways of dealing with you people you know like she like just uses her sword to like ascent literally like or metaphorically cut off their dicks you know she like cuts their swords mm-hmm. in half with her own and she's hey, like you beautiful lady we don't take too kindly to your kind on these parts she says that limu buys her defeated foe and she's like just traveling along eventually she there there's i want to get back to Sheilin and and uh limu buy in a second but like yeah. you realize as she goes to the restaurant that it seems like she's running out of money like she probably didn't plan, you know, she's a noble woman. She probably isn't totally aware of like how stuff works when she doesn't have like a whole retinue with her and whatnot, you know. So it seems like mm-hmm. she she would she wasn't gonna last very long anyway. Well, so she she orders a bunch of food in a room at the restaurant, and then I think she checks her like money purse and is mm-hmm. like, Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> meanwhile I'm gonna have to kung fu out of this. Yeah, so meanwhile, Lee Mubai and Shulian are having some tea together and he gets to caress her cheek at one point well he does and, i think he does uh, the move where he puts her hand on his that's right, cheek yeah. she gets her yeah. to caress his cheek uh so his whole thing is that basically everything's an illusion nothing's permanent it's better to get off on withholding and she's just like well how did my hand feel and he's like well oh, 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 oh. no he didn't say that i think he has uh, a he has a line something about repressed emotions only come back stronger or something to that effect like he's he's basically like trying to to move the conversation there. Um, I like how she calls him an old Taoist. (laughs) Um, But it's like, there's always more duty calling. So uh, they, they they have to go get the green destiny, but it's always like, well, we just need to finish up this next thing. And and then we'll really have that talk, you know? And I, I feel like I would, uh, this would be such a deeper, more complex story to me, even in general, if I had a better understanding of Jian Hu, but he mentions one point, that this lifestyle that they're in, the Jian Hu is a world of tigers and dragons full of corruption. It's like, yeah. I mean, I just took it as like the adventurer lifestyle, I guess. Yeah, you live by the blade, you uh, fuck by the blade. Mm-hmm. Um, so Shulian goes back and like checks in for HQ. I love that all of her employees are just chilling and like doing martial arts for fun. <laughs> yeah, I like how uh... boss has been away for a week let's just uh let's do some sparring some recreational sparring when jen's ordering her food she's so like imperious and rude to the guy you know it's like yeah. i'm gonna have to it's like she orders a shit ton of stuff he's like i'm gonna have to go order that from a bigger restaurant and she's like then you better hurry he's yeah. like okay <laughs> uh, so after this fucking bravura like fight at the restaurant where like they destroy like part of the restaurant just from their awesome stuff um well it's because Iron Army shows up and and all these other dudes and they're just like we would like a lesson from you. And she's just like I'm gonna kick all y'all's all y'all's ass. Well, and she does that thing where the first guy who attacks, like she doesn't even look at him. She's just like blocking his movements and like knocking him away of her one hand mm-hmm. while eating. Um, so after this, Jen shows up at Shulian's place to you know borrow some clothes, get some advice. You know she doesn't like you well, know it's very um. Like they want to, like, want to sister. Yeah, yeah. she's she's like little, I, I think she's realized that like she's not gonna last long. She's running out of money. That didn't go too well at the restaurant. She doesn't really know how to like she doesn't know how to live the the John Hu lifestyle, basically. Mm-hmm. And she's just yeah. like, sister, help me. And they 
kind of connect for a moment, but then like I can't remember what exactly it is. Like uh I think it's when Jen gets very indignant when she finds out that Limu Bai is like sent low to Wudang Mountain and like they're trying to help her and she's just like fuck this, fuck you, you know, and then like Liu Shen or uh or uh, Shen Lu, sorry, Shu Lin finally just explodes at her. And it's just basically like, do you realize like how much shit we've been putting up with you like ruining our lives with all this shit? You know, you're such like a, an ungrateful little bitch, basically. Right before the swords clash, Julian says, fine, the friendship is over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, of course, uh, is this is this right before the bamboo fight? It, well, this, there's bamboo- a there's a big long sword fight. And then uh, basically. Jen cuts uh, Shilin's sword in half, but like Shilin's like holding up the half the sword to her neck there, and Jen is still like unrepentant. She like cuts Shilin's arm there, and then that's when Limu Bai shows up, and it's just like whoa, 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 stop! <laughs> and then yeah. and then uh, Jen just like flies away to the bamboo forest, and he follows her. And there's there's a great moment where uh, they're like on the rock overlooking like the little lake or whatever. And she has a comment like, uh, you know, I will I will consider becoming your apprentice if you can take the green destiny from me in three moves. And he takes it in one. Yeah, he's just like, <laughs> boom, took it. <laughs> but like the, Which kind of is like he's not really been like trying too hard. He's just been engaging her and like keeping her going and perhaps almost like testing her, but also like showing his own value. Because I think that's what she needs is she needs the teacher slash discipline. like almost parental yeah discipline like per, like disciplinary fear like force in her life mm-hmm. but so at the same time the i feel no. like you you see why she's so resistant to that because of everything she's faced so far you know mm-hmm. um but yeah the these shots in the bamboo forest are so amazing like and i it, like this is where the editing just is like yeah we're gonna get artistic now you know and it's just gonna like cut to her and like this close-up like you know through the bamboo and cut to him in the close-up like it's so lyrical and like graceful the way it's cut well and then just the story that you've seen a seven thousand versions of before where you have potentially this older male teacher figure um drawn to the young student and is it is it because they're young or is it because they're relying upon you it's like there's they're definitely playing up like the attractiveness of her to him mm-hmm. and again it's it's complex it's gray is it as a teacher or as a student pupil yes but is it more yes um eventually when he gets the sword he he's just like the green destiny means nothing he like throws it over waterfall and she like flies after it goes down into the water to try to get the sword seemingly she gets it but it like then passes out in the water and this is when the jade fox like flies in and just like rescues her and pulls her away. Mm-hmm. And then we get our, our final showdown here where Jade Fox is like rigging her like insane needle gun. And she's been like drugging Jen, it seems like, to kind of like keep her yeah. uh, incapacitated. Um, and then it's like cut back to like Jade Fox goes out, I don't know, to get supplies or whatever. And then like, uh, Shulin just like sees her like outside as she's getting bandaged up and like follows her. And it basically all goes come it all goes to a head in like the cave when like Limu Bai shows up and he can tell that that Jen has been drugged. Then she kind of like she does the whole like offering herself to him. Like, are you 
are you here for me or the sword type of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it me or the sword you want? And we don't really know. I, I, I don't think he knows. Well, and so that's when Shulen walks in as Li Mubai is feeling up Gen Yu. Well, to, I don't know if he's feeling up. He's doing, saying, is it like to cure the poison, maybe, or is he just like while he's doing that, he's also overcome to have her in his arms as more than just a potential student. Well, he's you know? he's standing, he's sitting behind her and doing some sort of like push on her back as I don't know, like pressure point thing or something. It's it's not like he's feeling her up, you know, but like it still looks a little, no, 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 but yeah, he, yeah, it's it feels compromising. He's he's you know, it feels a little risque, plus. Like, I don't think I, I, I think it's safe to say Lee Mubai is probably a pretty celibate dude. So I don't know if he lets the guards down like when he's touching a woman if that messes up his mind. So Jay Fox, you get the impression she's basically led them all here, starts blasting them all for little darts, like uh, I don't know, like maybe a hundred darts that Lee Mubai and Julian then have to like block well, away. Lee Mubai moves to stand in front of Jen because she's still pretty out of it and like, you know, deflects them all. Uh Shen Lu is like them all as well and he like he basically like uses the green destiny to like basically carve up the sword that jade fox is using and shoot all the shards like back into her yeah 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 mincemeat uh and then he like flies at her and like cuts her too yeah oh yeah bo shows up too uh so jade fox is dying and so is lima by because we find out he's gotten one of the poison needles in his neck but Jade Fox mentions that she was really trying to kill Jen by mm-hmm. hiding the true meaning of the manual. Jade Fox never grew in her skills, whereas like Jen's potential was limitless. And this is when she says, an eight-year-old girl so full of deceit, that's poison. Yes. Poison. And yeah, Jen, my only love, my only enemy. <laughs> yeah. And Jen's pretty shaken up by this, and they realize that Lima buys dying. This is the same poison that killed his master. He's got like two hours, and then his blood will stop flowing, and Jen is like, you know, they're like, oh, there's no known antidote. And Jen's like, no, I know the antidote. And so it's like she has to run to get the ingredients. Um, but she doesn't make it in time. Um, while Jen's out getting the ingredients, Limu Bai and Shulin have their kind of last moment here. Mm-hmm. Where she's like, save your breath. And he's just like, fuck that. You know, like th- that would be a, a breath wasted, basically. Yeah, she's trying to get him to like meditate, free himself from this world just like he's been taught. And, you know, again, again, back to the first scene, he had told her that he regretted a lot of those teachings. Um, he tells her, you know, he'd rather be a condemned ghost by her side rather than enter heaven without her because of her love. He'll never be a lonely spirit. Also, before all this, my boy Bo has to bury Jade Fox in the rain. That is a weird cut. That Like, I don't know why they showed us that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, I don't know. Just in case you're wondering where the body was, Bo went out and buried Jade Fox in the rain. But in the rain, like, Bo's yeah. like, I can wait for it to let up, but nah. Mm-hmm. So Jen Yu gets back. It's too late. And, and well, Li, she's like, Li he's Mubai, gone. Lee Mubai and, and Shu Lin kiss. So they, they get their, their passionate kiss as he's dying. Yeah. Yeah. Jen is, Jen's like, he's gone as Shu Lin like lays the body down. She's like, yeah. Well, and, um, and Michelle Yeoh here is great because it's like, there's, there's so much like hatred, but like a restrained hatred because she could easily blame Jen for everything. This is all Jen's fault, but at the same time, it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, like there, it's. Well, I think she sympathizes with her to a yeah. certain extent. Yeah, yeah, and she moves like she's going to cut her head off, but then she stops the blade and she like gives it to uh, Bo and she's like, "Take this back to Sir T." 
And she's like, why don't you, Jen, why don't you go to Wudang Mountain? Lo awaits you there. And she says, promise me whatever path you take, you decide, or promise me whatever path you decide to take in this life, be true to yourself, which I feel like is a sick burn because mm-hmm. she's basically like, you are fucking self-destructive. Like, go kill yourself, is I feel like is what she's saying. Perhaps, but again, the metaphor of, of poison, you know, mm-hmm. like, don't, don't go be whatever the poisons turned you into be, you know, to, to thine own self, be true. Um, even if that means go fling yourself off a mountain. So meanwhile, this whole time, our boy Bo has been like hanging out or not, our, our boy Lo got himself some, like, himself some Obi-Wan robes now, basically. Yeah. Well, it's like, what is he doing at Wudan mountain this whole time? Like, what do they think of I think this guy? I think he's been like shampooing and conditioning. His hair is like all flowing now. Yeah, it is. But it's like Lo just like, Hey guys, I'm here for a short time. Uh, Limu Bai sent me. I just, just wondered, do you guys think a mixologist on staff? Because I could be your guy for a little while. I, and they're like, let's do he, it. Does he get to join in like the the daily calisthenics or something? Yeah, like what does he do there? Yeah, is he like in the secret ceremony where they whip each other? I don't know. Yeah, so Jen shows up. She and Lo have sex. Uh, in the morning, he finds like a dear John comb left next left for him. Uh, he finds her on the bridge overlooking like the mist. There's like a drop down into the valley. And she asks him if he remembers the legend of the man of the wishes. And he's like, uh, yeah, but that was a different mountain. <laughs> and she's like, what do you wish no, for? And, and he's like, I wish that we'll be in the desert together again. And she's just like, peace out. Jumps off the, the bridge yeah. there into the mist down the mountain. Interpret that how you will. Is she killing well, herself? Will she ever be seen again? We don't know. So it's uh, it, this is where you get like the actual special effects, and it's like where she's kind of like floating through this mist, falling downwards. And there's a moment where it seems like she kind of like is leveling out, like she's almost going horizontal. I mean, it seems like she's so, kind of yeah. gliding, but yeah, it's uh, interpret that how you will. I think I feel like is the what the movie's trying to communicate there, and that's the end yeah. of the movie. Yeah, great film. Uh, if you could make one change in this movie, what would you do? I would not have made the sequel. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't think. I don't think you need to change anything. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I don't know lightsabers, but no, seriously, I don't. I don't think you need to change anything here. Has, has there fine. not been like a YouTube edit, a la the Princess Bride one, where they all have lightsabers? Probably has been. Yeah, I have to look that up. So. The sequel involves Julian. It's on Netflix. Coming out of retirement, keep a warlord from getting the green destiny. It's so it's such a different movie. It's much more typical of just ridiculous uh, kung fu movies. I can remember the warlord's name. Sorry, go ahead. The warlord's name is Hades. Die. Mm. I can remember uh, when when this movie came out. It was like holy shit, that was amazing. Let me go watch these other like wushu movies now. And I remember watching like Iron Monkey something or other on on House of Flying Daggers. Um, House of Flying Daggers, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Hero. And it was just like not, it was like, no, like, yeah, there's some cool kung fu, but it's just not the same. Like, it's only what he brought to this movie is what makes the movie. It's, you know, it's this is the difference between just a genre picture and something that kind of transcends it, I guess. It's like yeah. the other movies, it's like, yeah, there's some cool fight scenes and whatnot, but like, I don't know, there's something missing. Yeah, the sequel also has uh, Donnie Yen, uh, Mr. Ip Man, the, the forces of me, I'm one of the force guy. There's also, I 
didn't recognize her like the first scene, but by scene two, I was like, oh shit, that's Paige Tycho. Hmm. Is in oh, there? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was it, the opposite of this one where it was shot in English and then like dubbed when it was returned to Asia, which has got to be weird. <sighs> yeah, just this is a great movie. Just is like whatever form your movie collection takes. I, I personally, I feel like have this have this close in hand at some point. I don't know if you're going to watch this. Also, a lot, but... what watch the subtitle version? Don't watch the dub version. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Shall we do power rankings? Yes, we shall. I have 10. I have 10 as well. What do you got for number 10? I got Madam Yu. Okay. I had a Iron Arm Me. He is the guy who's, I don't know, I guess like outranks everyone else at the restaurant and like goes <laughs> to start shit. And it's just a funny bit where she she kind of like barely even looking at him, like uses one arm to kind of push him away and like, you know, do some kung fu. But like, and then she kind of like rubs her wrist, like, "Ow, that hurt!" And then so she like rips off his sleeve, and you see he's got like an like a big banded iron like kind of like gauntlet on his wrist. That's like that's why he's mm-hmm. iron arm. He's like a fraud, basically, you know. Yeah, like he's yeah. he's not actually like that strong. He just like he's cheating. You know, it's like putting like a horseshoe in your boxing glove. Um, I love yeah. that. Um, that scene you were talking about, where like they're telling their version after the fact. That scene really shook me because I feel like I have never seen bruises in a movie like you do in that one. Oh, like, they've got fucked like, up, yeah. Yeah, they have got like big purple swollen bruises all about their bodies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number nine is Governor Yu. Uh, just pretty, he's there. I had the police inspector and his daughter at number nine. Okay. Uh, I had them at number eight. Police inspector Tsai and his daughter May. Uh, they're an interesting pair because they're so singular in their desire. They've traveled who knows where they're pretending to be street performers for a while. And then they are, they're kind of like cheesy, but they're on the same page. One point she's just like, father, let me be the one who avenges my mother's death. Well, you definitely get the feeling there's, there's probably like a hierarchy of like a skill in this movie where like, leave me by and Jen are at the top. And then I would probably put, Shu Lin and then Jade Fox and then Bo and then the police detective uh, inspector. You know, like there's no way those two are gonna take out Jade Fox unless they like get the drop on her, is like my feeling. I don't know if they are I don't know if Bo is better than they are. And it's kind of interesting you bring this up. It's like a nitpick, but like skill wise, we never really see Jade Fox and Shu Lin like cross swords, you know, metaphorically. So like mm-hmm. I, I kinda wonder who would be better. I mean, just the fact that Shu Lin held her own against Jen, I feel like, like she, I put her above Jade Fox because of that. Uh, number eight, I cheat a little bit. I put the Green Destiny just because that sword's fucking awesome. That's uh, that's a good cheat. Mm-hmm. The other weapon you're talking about in their fight between Jen and Shu Lin, we talk about is the weird the two like hooked swords. Oh, the hooked and swords. Point yeah. show yo hooks them together and just starts like swinging them. Yeah, she swings it around for more reach. Um, God, it's so cool. My number seven is Serte. I just, I love that dude because he's <laughs> I, he just wields some kind of mysterious like influence in this region. He's like a friend to these like Jianhu like hooligans, Jian hooligans, and like he knows all about the fucking Green Destiny. At the same time, he's just like 
hey, Julianne, my, my good old friend, get your fucking head out of your ass and get it into, you know, Lee Bai's ass or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you yeah. all love. <laughs> Toss that salad. Yeah, I had uh, Sir T at number seven as well. He just seems like a cool dude. Yeah, if you just start talking about like moves that they could use to pleasure each other, fantastic. Um, number six is where I have Jade Fox. I mm-hmm. I should have had her higher. I like her a lot. I I almost think the actor isn't as effective as the material. Um, the movie's really not like giving her a lot, but what they do give her, there's just so much there that's unspoken. That I find. As a movie full of all of these great backstories that are part of the mythology, I think she's just another one. And I don't know, maybe it resonated me more with this this watch. But yeah, Jay Fox. I had uh, Bo at number six. Okay. My dude, Bo. Yeah. Not afraid to get a little strange on the side. No. No. Uh, number five. Uh, maybe I have this a lot lower than you do. But number five, I've got low. Dark Cloud himself. Yeah, you probably have him lower than me. <laughs> The Dark Cloud, he's got a great story about how when he was a kid, he watched the shooting star like going across the desert. So he went in chase of it and he's like still chasing it. And he's like, so here I am now on the other side of the desert. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I'm implying that that shooting star was Jen, I guess. Um, what, an right. what an interesting little dude. Yeah. I had Jade Fox at number five. Um, okay. Yeah. And it's these, these next four hard to rank. They're all high up there so speaking of which um i should have had him lower i i, I will absolutely cop to that it's but Bo. it's Bo. he's my stand-up boy like uh <laughs> he ranks Bo above low man <laughs> i know low is lower than the Bo. but like Bo is so he's right there from the very beginning like in the first 15 minutes he's what leads us into the first real action scene is he's just doing his rounds but like they do set up like visually you do get the sense that not only is he hunting the father and daughter, but there's like, you know, a draw to the daughter. And so it resonates when you have that scene where she's just like, why don't you come out of the rain and into my little shanty? And he's just like, no, I can't. You know, he's like kicking rocks and she's like, get the fuck in here. And he's like, okay. Um, and then right up to his perplexing last scene where he's burying a body. in the rain. <laughs> my boy, my Bo. All right. Number four, I had leaving by, um, and like I said, it's, it's hard to rank the top four here because they're all amazing. But uh, yeah, Lee Mubai, great character, Chow Yun-Fat. I, very underrated, I feel like, in this movie. Um, he's he's doing an interesting thing where he's both an emotional wreck in a lot of ways and like completely in control physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which is why I'm amazed that you you put a certain character above him. But yeah, my number three is Lee Mu Bai. Um, and, and, and there's a lot more similarity between like martial arts movies and like Westerns than we, than we talk about, but like he's, he could be a hero in a Western in a whole other genre. Like he is doing that. Like, you know, I have seen some fucking shit. I have found some Zen in that. I'm also like haunted by it. I'm haunted by like the things that didn't happen. Um, I'm also very serene when it comes to my skills uh chai young fat man like it's crazy to me like the shitty american movies that we give the asian actors when they when we dip their toe in the waters over here i want to say he had some dumb movie of like mira servino which is supposed to be like let's try out yeah like young fat the for an american killers audience. maybe or something yeah I, i've seen it it's yeah yeah um yeah. but he is he is so 
good in this movie. Uh, he's not my favorites, but like he is so fucking good. Yeah. Lee Mubai, so hot right now. Lee Mubai. Number three, I had Shilian. Um Michelle Yeoh is just great. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Uh, no, I had her number I, three. She's, I just, I'm fascinated where you. Like I said, the top okay. four, very hard to rank. Um, Michelle Yeoh is great in this. Shilin, just the, the repressed emotions. But seemingly, she's more committed to the kind of tradition than Lee Mubai is, but also she kind of has to be because she's the woman. Hmm. She's, yeah, there's definitely like more of she has to walk through the society. Like, I think mm-hmm. people kind of, because of his stature and that he's allowed to kind of blaze his own trails and people bend over backwards for him. Whereas perhaps it's because she's a woman, she doesn't seemingly let that affect her as much or she's better about finding a personal balance. But she's also a working person, mm-hmm. which is interesting in a society way compared to him like she has a company and a job and you know if you want to apply modern things to it seemingly she's worried about like you know healthcare for her fucking employees and shit um and managing their lives so yeah i just know i what i was saying what was i'm shocked at how high the storm is brewing on your number two choice but yeah my number two is julian um michelle yo is just so graceful and serene in this and she is a great actor. She just brings so much, I don't know, like restrained energy with her. There's, there's a power to her. Like she's great. Even in like the, how shitty the a part they give her in like that fucking Star Trek show. The only nice thing about it is that there's the hint that she might return. Um, there's some like mirror universe shit or something. Oh, she's absolutely the mirror universe. It's so stuck. It's uh, so fucking yeah, no, so I, I bailed on it. Sure, after three episodes, I don't, I don't regret that at all. It's every time they had a, a choice, they made the wrong one, um, which is funny because they've got great actors and a great cast and and some parts of it, and then yeah, anyway. But like, it's just so weird in retrospect that she was a Bond girl too, you know? Yeah, <laughs> only in that in that bizarre like that that time when Pierce Brosnan was the Bond and. It's a different movie every oh, every couple of years. Dumb too, yeah. Uh, Bond Never Dies, I would say, is worse than Die Another Day. Mm, anyway, my number two is, of course, Michelle Yeoh. That's a tough call. Yeah, uh, my number two, as you may have guessed, my boy Low Dark Cloud. Love this guy. He's just awesome. I'm sorry, he's cool. He's not big or tall. He's got a spot. Because lightning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got a great little pad. I, I will say that. Which made me kind of wonder, like, what does his gang do? Do they all just, like, scout out their own little, like, desert pads? I, I and guess it's like, so, yeah. Do they blow in a conch and then they all just meet 20 miles away? Like, like their get-together thing? Like, and is, it just understood, is it just understood that, like, hey, man, Dark Cloud, he's, he's got a girl back at his place right now. So we're probably not going to see him for a little while, you know? Like if he has one of his scarves like tied around the horse mm-hmm. who's tied up outside, like you know not to not to interrupt his fuck pad. Mm-hmm. Or doesn't he talk at one point about like it's hard to get water here, but I made sure to go get some for you in your bath. He, it's hard to get water, but he made a fucking spa for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's on the fly. I mean, that might be a line, mm-hmm. which is a pretty good line. 
But I feel like you know, she's she's so imperious that she wouldn't really think of it. Yeah, well, she's used to being served. Yeah, mm-hmm. my number one, as you can guess, is Gen Yu. Uh, Zhang Zi is such a tour de force in this movie. Uh, each time I've seen it, she's been a new revelation. I don't know how she's not a much bigger star, at least on our side of the world. But her character's fantastic. I the Fulcrum character, she she kind of shows up and she's her own star you know but at the same time she shines her light on all the other characters and their storylines in such an interesting way uh i just i guess i always forget about how much she's at the center of this movie and yeah yeah my number one as well is jen um she's fantastic she is the kind of character i I aspire to write she's just so so fierce and immature but so kind of powerful at the same time like it's she's so complex i i love that they don't ever try to push her into kind of uh any sort of specific box you know it's like you you she's she contains multitudes she's never just one thing or another thing she's not just a hero or a villain she's incredibly complicated well and she's also that great thing you want a character where she's so fiercely talented and watchable and likable and yet she also doesn't know who she is mm-hmm. so she's trying out things and failing and moving on from that um and i always love when uh a character takes something that they that they know from their world and tries it in a different setting and it fails and it's like that's that is development of a character watching them realize oh shit i don't have any money yeah <laughs> Or whatever, or yes, I would like to be like have the spa installed for me, because um, you know this movie is all about her her going overboard. <laughs> sure. All right. Uh, would you recommend this movie? Hell, fucking yes. Yeah, absolutely. If you've not seen this movie, you should go watch this movie. It's very entertaining, uh, and just mm-hmm. visually amazing to watch. Um, it, it won the best. Uh, Best cinematography Oscar for a reason. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous, hypnotic, emotion shattering, relentlessly badass, deliriously horny. Yeah, go watch this movie. Makes me want to watch other Ang Lee movies now. Yeah, and it, it really makes me want Ang Lee to do a Star Wars movie. Like, what would his movie look like? I have no idea, but it'd be fascinating. It just wants makes me want to see him do more, more movies. Like, you know a faster pace um star wars would be so interesting but just putting him in a genre where he's not used to and like letting him do his thing i mean i, I definitely prefer his hulk movie to the ed norton one i mean it was weird mm. as fuck but it was something you know yeah well and it's it's very comic booky in an only way mm-hmm. like it has panels like yeah comic, which is ridiculous but yeah, you know, it's funny is I, I think I mention this every time and you kind of give me a hard time. I remember that ridiculous like Hulk dog fight more than I do a lot of actual sequences in the Marvel movies. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I remember the, the the fight between Hulk and like all the tanks and whatnot. That was just like a really cool sequence. Also, he's, he basically brought us Eric Bana over here, right? That was his first big movie was the, the Hulk. I guess so, yeah. All right, well, that was Crouching Tiger. What are we going to do next week? I don't know. What do you film? I have no idea. Um, obviously, I'm going to want to talk about Ready Player One. I'm sure I've been uh, 
saving all of my hot takes for that. I've kept my powder dry on Twitter. Um, but I don't know if we want to do the whole okay. episode on that just because it's like a new movie. People not might not have seen it. Um, is there anything else we want to watch? Um, go back into our list here and see what have we not touched on. Lifeless Ordinary. <laughs> oh, I, I talked about that when we were together. I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Is that too weird? Is that too old of a movie? Just really want to alienate our listenership. Yeah. I was, you know, we joked before about uh, the McConaughey or not the McConaughey, the McGregor yeah. podcast. Like somebody brought up to me the other day, I had the Beholder. Ooh. Did you ever see that with Ashley Judd? Um, that sounds familiar. Is is McGregor in that? He's the star of that. Yeah, I'm not sure if I've seen that or if you just described it to me. I saw that's one of those things where I saw it in the theater. And I was like me and one other person, which is a very strange situation. I think I've just uh, heard you talking about it. We should probably not do that movie. No, no, no. If I was doing a, a McGregor podcast, that would definitely be an episode. I don't think that would work for headcanon because I don't think anyone's going to go out and see it, but it's a very intriguing movie. I'll tell you Lifeless what. Ordinary is probably more of a crowd pleaser. What, why don't we just do Ready Player One? I, I, between the book and the movie, I'm sure we can fill an hour and a half on that. Okay. So, uh, in advance, I I feel like a lot of people either you don't care and you'll be fine being getting spoiled, or you hate the book and the movie anyway, so you don't care. But whatever, you know, like be prepared for spoilers for the book and the movie next episode. Um, let's say real quick too, because I know you surprisingly you said you're not going to see it at all. Uh, I saw Unsane over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Soderbergh. You know how I feel about that. But so it's it's solely like like it touches on your anxiety about going on some kind of form by accident and getting committed. I'm just not here for that at all. I I want nothing to do with uh, accidentally getting committed. I just ugh. I tell you though it it plays like I have a touch of that same anxiety. Maybe not as much as other people, but like it plays how how you can think that societal norms are one thing and just find yourself in that situation. Um, I haven't seen a lot of the crown, but Claire Foy is really great in this movie. Hmm. Uh, for what, whatever she can do in this kind of seventies inspired iPhone shot movie. I, I want to say, didn't, didn't she get cast as like whatever the new Lesbeth Sounder is going to be? I believe so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, eh, on that casting before I'm totally into it now. She's, she's intense. Um, yeah. So I don't think I would recommend unsane to a lot of people cause it's, it's triggering for a lot of reasons. There is, uh, a sequence later on in the movie that I found to be really uncomfortable, not because it's something gory, but yeah, I guess I, I went to go see that instead of Pacific Rim uprising. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so Ready Player One. Yeah, I, book. You've read the book, right? I read it a while ago. I need to reread it. I'll probably reread it between now and the movie coming out. Mm. That'll be a good conversation. Uh, yeah. That will be next week. Until then, have a good one. Peace.